John 11, verses 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, before your throne I kneel in prayer. Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, before your throne I kneel in prayer. Because I've been baptized by the blood of the Lamb, and I'm working my salvation out. I've been purchased with a price I cannot repay. study God's Word together, what I want us to look at is I want us to cover the topic of death, but maybe not just death alone because the whole important thing about death is the fact that death has been conquered. Now we're going to look at several passages uh, from, from different places in the Bible that tell us this, but definitely death being conquered, it centers around Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. Now Jesus himself says in John 11, he says that I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Then he asks the question, do you believe this? And you might wonder, well, why does he say such a thing? And, and in what context does he say that? He actually says this in John chapter 11. Now, this is a very famous uh, passage. This is whenever Lazarus is going to be raised up from the dead. Now, Lazarus has not been raised up from the dead yet. He's going to be doing that later. And, you know, one of the shortest verses, if not really the shortest verse in the Bible, um, comes in John 11:35, And it simply says that Jesus wept. And the significance of that was he was weeping because his friend that he loved, that he was close to, had died. But as he was there comforting um, Lazarus's sisters, one of the things that he says is that I am the resurrection and the life. And in connection with that, he also says this statement that whoever believes in me will live even though they die. That's a very interesting thing. And then if we live by believing in him, we're never going to die. So those are interesting ideas about death to, to wrap our brain around. But as we look at it, we definitely do see that, look, if we believe in, in Jesus, then we will live even after we die. 
Now, he's kind of referenced this a little bit earlier on in this chapter. In verse 4 of John 11, when Jesus gets news about his friend being sick, he says, uh, we read this, When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, the interesting thing reading this, if you know the story or if you maybe even read your heading in your Bible and you read the death of Lazarus or maybe the resurrection of Lazarus, you know, you might wonder, okay, so why does Jesus say this sickness will not end to death? That goes back to how Jesus says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. See, Lazarus's death was not going to be the end of it. It's not going to end in death. It's actually going to end with new life. Because Lazarus is not going to be dead at the end of the chapter. He's going to be brought back to life. So what about your death, my death? Is that going to be the end of it? I don't think so. Not if we are followers of Jesus Christ. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, then our death has been conquered. The debt has been paid. And we can live even though uh, we might have to die in this life as well. Now we're going to look... Um, at a kind of death in a, in a more uh, broad sense a little bit more, kind of a bigger picture idea. And I want you to think about when death first enters into the Bible. That goes back all the way to the book of Genesis, if you remember, the very first time that God gives a command and the commands are broken. Well, that is something that was not just with Adam and Eve, but it was repeated in every single generation since then because every single generation has chosen at one point or another to turn away from the commands of God and to no longer follow those commands. Well, that gives us death. But there still is hope. There is hope through Jesus Christ. Let's look at some of the writings of the Apostle Paul that he wrote to the church at Rome. We're going to start in Romans chapter 7. Now, you notice that the command that he's actually talking about is something that deals with him specifically, and it deals with the law of Moses. But, you know, we can always take this back even to that original command that God told Adam and Eve not to eat from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But they did. And, you know, if we look at that, we might wonder, well, why did he command them to not eat from that tree if he knows that it was just going to produce death in them? Why would he give them that type of commandment? Well, Paul is also kind of struggling with that same type of thing and really elaborating on that letting the Romans know the point of what the commands are about that God gives. And this goes not just for the commands in the law of Moses, but I mean, really just in general, whenever God gives a command, sometimes this is how we feel. And it's interesting to see what Paul tells us. In Romans chapter 7, verses 10 through 13, Paul says, I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death, uh, become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death, so that through the commandment sin might become utterly sinful. This passage gives us a lot of, of insight into the commands of God, that they're not really ever supposed to be bringing death. That's not the purpose. They are intended to bring life. But they seem like they bring us death because whenever we break the commands of God, 
Well, the wages of sin is death, right? We, we know this from the Bible. But what Paul is telling us is it's more than just that. It's not that the commands are bad. It's not that what God says, it's, it's bad. But they do, um, as he puts it at the very end, through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. But we see that sin can be recognized as sin. He says both of these things in verse 13. And this goes with not just the law of Moses, which is what Paul is talking about, but most of these, all of these other commands that God gives as well. The reason is that they reveal what sin actually is to us. Now, it's up to us as to whether or not we choose life or if we choose the pathway that leads to death, the pathway that leads to destruction. All of us have chosen this at some point, but God has made a way. Yes, sin has become utterly sinful. We see that. But there is hope. There's hope that's found in Jesus Christ. The next chapter of Romans tells us that. In Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 1 and going through the first few verses here, we read, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. What does he tell us here? He tells us there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. He also tells us that Jesus Christ has fulfilled this law. He has fulfilled this righteous requirement and it has been fully met in us. We see this in verse four. And we are called not to live by the flesh, but we are called to live according to the Spirit. Because God has set us free. He's given us of His Spirit. And we see that we've been set free from this law of sin. We've been set free from this law of sin and death, as it's described right here. There is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And going down on now down into a few more verses, verses 5 through 8. Paul continues on and he says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So it stands to, to ask us this question now. What is our mind governed by? If it's governed by the flesh, we see that the only result, of course, is going to be death. That's the same type of choice that they were given. Adam and Eve were given that choice to whether or not they were going to follow the way of the Spirit, the way of God, and the way of life, or if they were going to follow some other way. Their mind, they chose to be governed by the flesh, at least for a time, just as most of us have chosen that at some point. But we see that the only thing that it's going to produce is death. Now, what does our mind need to be governed by? It needs to be governed uh, by the, the things of the Spirit. We need to be people who are doing things um, in accordance with the Spirit. We need to set our mind on what the Spirit desires. And we can do those things by reading the Scriptures and finding out what the Spirit desires in our lives. Finding out what God desires uh, from us and for us. We see the importance that our mind cannot be 
governed by the flesh. It's always going to end in death. Verses 9 through 11 now. He says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who uh, raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because his Spirit lives in you. See, this passage is saying the same type of thing that Jesus said whenever he made that statement that I am the resurrection and the life. Well, the way Paul says it right here is that, look, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Now, going by the way that Jesus said it, he says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. He said that in John 11, 25 and 26. So that's the passage that we started with. And now we see that Paul is saying the same type of thing. wonder where he got that idea from. He got it from Jesus Christ. Jesus has told us that, yes, our bodies are going to be subject to death because of sin. But the Spirit gives us life. In, in fact, this is talking about all of those who are following Christ. All of those who belong to Christ. If you belong to Christ, then the, then the Spirit is within us. The Spirit gives us life. And it produces wonderful things in our life. Now, you might be wondering, okay, so, so how do we get into Christ? How do we get to where we belong to Christ? Well, we interestingly enough have to die to ourselves, die to these, these, uh, this mind that is governed by the flesh. And we need to submit to the way of Christ. Now, Paul has already said this earlier in the book of Romans. So if we back up a couple of chapters to Romans chapter 6, this is where I kind of want us to, um, to look at a few uh, verses from Romans 6, and, and that's where I want us to end uh, our study on this death being conquered. Well, take a look at what he says here. In Romans 6, verses 3 through 5, he says, talking to Christians, he says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We are therefore buried with him through baptism and death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. This is so powerful and so important that we recognize that this is really kind of one of the important reasons for being baptized. Whenever we decide to follow Christ, whenever we decide to die to ourselves, we are baptized into his death. That's what verse 3 says. We also see that, look, if we've been united with him, verse 5 tells us that if we've been united with him in a death like his, then we will also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Yes, death is part of the process, but life, resurrection, is the ultimate goal right here. It's always been the ultimate goal. It's what we see whenever someone is baptized, because if you've ever seen somebody get baptized, what happens is they go down into the water they are buried with Christ in baptism, but then they come back out of the water. It's a type of resurrection that we see. And of course, it points forward in time to the time in which all of the dead in Christ are going to rise up. There is going to be a resurrection. There is going to be a resurrection with which we are given new life because that death, that yes, it's part of this creation and yes, it's, it's part of the process, but it was never supposed to be. It was never God's plan for death to be part of this process. But death has come into it, and it is part of the process now. 
But now what we see is ultimately through that death, there is life because death is ultimately conquered. Now, Paul keeps going in Romans 6, and he, he goes into a little bit more details as well, saying the same types of things, but making sure that we catch on to all of this. In verses 8 through 11, he says, Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. What does this passage teach us? It teaches us several things about Jesus Christ right here. We see in verse 9 that Christ was raised from the dead, and because of that, he cannot die again. He's not going to die again. Death does not have mastery over him. He has mastery over death. We also see in verse 10 that that death that he died, that death that Jesus Christ died, he died to sin once for all. You know what? That means he doesn't have to continue to, to die for each and every single one of us. He, he did that in once, once for all time. He died to sin so that we can have life, so that we can live for God as well. And we are called to, in verse 11, count ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And it's only whenever we are in Christ Jesus that we can count ourselves as alive to God. And therefore, because of all these things, Paul tells us what we need to do. He says in verses 12 through, through 14 of Romans 6, he says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you will obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourselves to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. So therefore, because of, of all these things, knowing that God wants life in us, knowing that death has been conquered, what do we do? Well, we don't let sin have a foothold in our lives. We don't give in to that sin. No, we are called in verse 13 to offer ourselves to God as someone who has been brought from death to life. All of us have been in that point of death, but through Jesus Christ, we've been brought from death into life. Let's live this life the right way, the way that follows Jesus Christ, that submits to him every single step of the way. And we will ultimately see that just as uh, with Lazarus, Jesus said, this sickness is not going to end in death. Yeah, he died. But it didn't end there. It continued on. And what about our death? Our death is not the final say. We can be brought back to life because death has been conquered. And we can have this hope through Jesus Christ. Let's live our life in a way that is obedience to the way of Christ. I run for the crown. I race for the prize. I press toward the upward goal of God. I press for the upward call of God. I fight with all my might to keep on living for the Christ. I know there is a glorious end in sight. The crown of life, the crown of victory I shall wear. So I sing the song of triumph till I'm there. 
for the crown, I race for the prize, I press toward the upward call of God. I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press toward the upward call of God. I fight with all my might to keep on living for the Christ, I know there is a glorious end in sight. The crown of life, the crown of victory I shall wear. So I sing the song of triumph till I'm there. I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press toward the upward call of God.